Hey, hey, any youth leaders out there? Serving with youth in the church is probably one of the most enjoyable callings, but it brings with it a lot of responsibility. How do we effectively lead this rising generation? Well, I have good news for you. Leading Saints has organized the Young Saints Virtual Library, where we have 20 plus hours of presentations all about how to lead youth. We cover topics like how to help youth transition into adulthood, how to help them avoid loneliness, how to handle smartphones in class, and we even go over scientific data about how Latter-day Saint youth differ from other youth. If you'd like to review the Young Saints Library at no cost for 14 days, simply go to leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. While you're at it, we'll give you access to all of our virtual libraries that cover several leadership related topics. So click the link in the show notes or simply visit leadingsaints.org slash one four. Hey, welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Now, for many of you that are brand new uh, to Leading Saints, it's important that you know that Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization, 501c3, dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And we do that through content creation. We get so much positive feedback on the podcast, our virtual conferences, the articles on our website. You definitely got to check it out at leadingsaints.org. And on their homepage at leadingsaints.org, you can actually find the top six most downloaded episodes to the podcast. So if you're new, like the content, want to jump in to some of our most popular episodes, head there after you listen to this episode. Hey, before we jump into this episode, I want to give a big shout out to John Larson. That's right, John Larson, your podcast is talking back at you. Uh, John sent an email a few weeks back and suggested that I interview his daughter, Emma Larson, who is not only a YSA Relief Society president, but also a published author of the book, The New Kid. Finding Friendship and Belonging in the Face of Life Challenges, and it turned out to be a great discussion. And we we focus on, you know, obviously in a YSA ward, a lot of turnover and, and transition happening with outgoing and incoming uh, individuals. And then Emma has uh, some experience moving quite a bit as, as a youth. And so she talks about the feeling of being the new kid and how can we be aware of the new kid and even the old kids and uh, creating belonging and friendship in the organizations which we lead. And it turned out to be a great How I Lead interview. So let's jump into it. Here's my interview with Emma Larson. Emma Larson, welcome to the Leading Saints podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. Well, I don't know about that. We'll find out. Now, <laughs> I think I, I want to say how this interview came to be is your your dad, John, he emailed me and he said, hey, Kurt, you're always looking for, you're asking for guests at the end of the podcast and you got to talk to my daughter. So we have your dad to thank for this. Thanks, dad. <laughs> and you are uh, a senior at Brigham Young University. Is this your... Last semester or just last year? Last year. I've got two semesters left. Okay. And, and what's your major? Theater education. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. I, I was a theater kid in high school. Wow. So nice. And so is that what you want to do is teach at, at a high school or? 
I like younger grades better. Elementary schoolers are my, oh, cool. my favorite. So if I could teach them, that's the dream. All right. So what are some of your favorite uh, plays or musicals? Ooh, my favorite musical that I've seen is called Come From Away. It's about oh, 9-11. Really? It's very, very really? good. Is yeah. that on Broadway or? It is. It's on Broadway. I just saw it in London. It's really good. Wow. Is it a musical or play? It's it's a musical. Oh, wow. All right. Got to check that out. Yeah. Nice. So do you do a lot of acting in theater yourself? I do. Nice. There yeah. at BYU or what, what are some of your favorite ones you've done? Yeah, I was just in Fiddler on the Roof at BYU in January. That was probably my favorite show I've ever been in. Oh, nice. But you've also been a, a a Relief Society president. You are currently a Relief Society president in your award there at BYU. I am. So what, break that down for us. What, what are those, what's it like? Like, how did you explain that to uh, somebody, a Latter-day Saint that may not be familiar with, with your award? That is such a good question. I feel like Provo is its own universe because <laughs> there are just so many church members so close to each other. I mean, Utah is like that in general, but just in YSA wards here, I feel like maybe the thing that makes it the most unique is that there's a lot of turnover. People are uh-huh. always moving different places, which has been a unique challenge as a Relief Society president to be like, oh, I need to make sure I have a presidency always. And I need to make sure that we have ministering assignments, even as people are maybe starting to fall through the cracks and move out, move in. Um, but we do yeah. focus on ministering. That's huge. So how long have you been in that ward? I've been in this ward a long time, starting in 2019, which is unusual okay. for YSA wards. Most people move, but I just yeah. loved it. So I've stayed. And then how long have you been the Relief Society president? Just, uh, I was called last August. So almost a year. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. So if you were to talk to yourself on day one, like giving yourself advice of, you know, Emma, this is, this is, you can't, don't forget this, this principle. What, what comes to mind? Uh, I think of the, the quote, I think it was Monson or Hinckley. I don't remember, but the quote that, uh, never let a problem to be solved become more important than a person to be loved. Oh, love it. That's huge. Like we can get caught up in the administrative stuff as much as we want, but it's more about the individuals making sure that everybody feels like they are loved and like they belong and they're being supported. And so is there a certain routine or habit you have to make sure that you're, you stay in that state of mind? Cause the administration can swallow you whole. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I mean, maybe not a specific routine or anything, but I do try like on Sundays, I try to just pick one or two people that I want to like be sure to interact with or love. Cause instead mm-hmm. of worrying about everybody all the time, sometimes it's good to just be like, okay, these are the people that are most in need right now. I'll just focus on these two or three trust that other people are doing their ministering and helping everyone else feel loved. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you say like feel loved, like how does a, a student, a YSA individual want to feel loved? Like, do they want the casserole? Do they want just someone to sit by them or what, what does that look like in practice? That's such a good question. I think a lot of times, um, having somebody to talk to is what people need Mm -hmm. or, knowing that somebody's thinking of you even because everybody's so busy, especially at BYU. Everybody is just so busy all the time. And so just even making sure somebody knows you were thinking of them, if that's a conversation with them or smiling at them or asking if you could sit by them at church, like those little things are, are huge. Yeah. 
And then what about just, uh, I assume you have like activities like, uh, FHE groups. Is that, that's still a thing down there, right? Yes, it is. <laughs> do you, do you have much interaction with that? I, I assume there's a whole FHE committee or whatever that handles that. Yeah, there is. There's a whole, we have our, we call them like the grandma and grandpa. They are like in charge of making sure that family home meeting <laughs> is happening and that there's groups. And yeah. Fun. And then, so with, with your focus, then you're, I would guess you're primarily focused on ministering. Like you said, you make sure that's organized and then just uh, Sunday lessons every other week. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Nice. And any like tips or tricks or things you've learned uh, managing ministering or lessons or, you know, running a, a relief society meeting? That's a, that's a great question. Um, with ministering. At least if there's a lot of turnover in the ward, often like there is with most YSA wards, it is really helpful to like, I would kind of split up my presidency. I would be like, okay, you make sure that you get to know who's in all of these apartments so that you kind of know them pretty well. And I'll get to know these people just early as, as we're making ministering assignments, just get to know a chunk so that when we come together as a presidency to make the assignments, we each kind of know those people and we can figure it out that way. That's been really helpful yeah. for us. And then to get to know them, are you just, are you maybe connecting with them at church or going to their apartment, like, or anything that works, right? Or is it a formal, like set an appointment, sit down with Emma and she's going to get to know you. <laughs> we do a lot of apartment visits, just like maybe right after church, I'll swing by somebody's apartment or if there's an evening and I'm like, Oh, I haven't talked to those girls yet. Maybe I'll just knock on their door. That's actually proved to be very effective for, for our ward, at least just yeah. show up, knock on their door. Nice. Now what about uh, ministering interviews? What, <laughs> I mean, how does that go for you? Any, any tricks as far as uh, organizing that? And then what do you, how do you approach them when you actually sit down in that interview? That is such a good question. I think like, Regarding tricks, a similar approach of making it seem pretty, I don't know, warm, welcoming, making it not seem scary for people, just like going to their apartment Mm -hmm. rather than meeting at the church has been really helpful to get them to open up and be excited. And then also texting is very helpful. Just like being in contact with people, making sure that they know that we are expected to do ministering interviews and like doesn't have to be too long. Keep it simple. That's been really helpful. Nice. And they should help a sister out and show up so that you can, you can do what you've been asked to do. Right. Yeah. And I love that, you know, it seems so simple and it's easy to pass over this, but going to their apartment, to their location, Mm -hmm. it goes a long way. Now that's people hear that, you know, I'm thinking of our our saints out in Montana who's like, it would take me three hours to drive across the ward. Right. And obviously everybody I imagine is in a similar apartment complex. So, you know, Mm -hmm. you can make that happen easily, but, and we're in Utah, you know, you're in the same neighborhood or whatever it is, but Mm -hmm. just, just like making it easy on them of, you know, you going to them rather than expecting them to come to you or have to go back to the church or back to your, your apartment and whatnot really makes it easy on them that, uh, that you need to talk to. Yeah, absolutely. Nice. All right. Uh, so you're also a published author. What don't you do, Emma? You're just, you're just rocking life right now. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so you wrote the book, the new kid finding a friendship and belonging in the 
I can't read my own handwriting in the face of life changes. So, I mean, you're a busy BYU student. Uh, You're running a relief society. And then you wake up and think, I'm going to write a book. Like, how did this come to be? That is the question I always get. Like, why? Like, this is great, but like, why? And here's the, the short version of the story. Basically, last summer, I was performing at a theater up on Bear Lake. It's called Pickleville Playhouse. Love it up there. And one day I was off. I didn't have anything to do. And I woke up and I was like, hmm, I have nothing to do today. What should I do? And I just like, I thought, hmm, I've always thought about writing a book. Maybe today I could research what it would take to self-publish a book. And so that whole day I just was like reading about it. And I was like, this actually seems surprisingly like not easy, but within my means, like I could, I could do this. Nice. And then I was like, could be fun. So I just started like brainstorming. Like these are some things that I've thought about maybe writing a book about. And then I just started to write it and I loved writing it. That was my favorite part was just, getting down all these stories that I've been wanting to write forever. Yeah. Now here I am published in the beginning of the summer. (laughs) Wow. Wow. So, so did you have, did you have the idea to, you wanted to write a book before you had the idea of what to write about? So I had, yes, I've always, I mean, ever since I was little, I was like, I want to be a writer. I could be an author. That would be cool. But in the past few years, I've had some ideas of like more specific things that I would want to write about. I just didn't narrow down the topic and the idea until I was like, I could, I could write a book. Yeah. So what led you to this topic of friendship and belonging? That another great question. I, I'm studying theater education. So education is huge for me Mm -hmm. and all growing up, I mean, this is a lot of what the book is about, but all growing up, I moved a lot and switched schools a lot. And it was hard. It was really hard. And I looking another, back, another thing to blame, blame your dad about here, John, come on, John, thanks. why'd you move the family so much? <laughs> <laughs> but like looking back, I'm so grateful. And I wouldn't trade those experiences for anything because I feel like it really taught me a lot about friendship and belonging that I would not have learned otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like some of these experiences that I had of like failing or feeling alone or struggling. I think there are so many kids right now who feel like that, especially like middle schoolers. Totally. It's a hard time. And I was like, I just want to write down my experiences so that somebody can know that they're not alone, that they're not the only one who is feeling lonely or who is struggling to make friends or yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. So you have been the new kid many times. That is true. This is a little bit of an auto autobiography happening here. Mm-hmm. It is. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, um, so did you write this for, for other new kids that are out there or people who don't feel friendship or belonging? Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. yeah. I think there's kind of two primary audiences that I was going for. One is the, the new kids who uh-huh. are feeling alone. And then another is for people who maybe don't know as much what it feels like to be the new kid so that they can get a taste and be like, oh, this is why it's important to welcome people in or to reach out and help them feel included. Yeah. So what was the dynamics like with moving so much? Um, Obviously, there's the dynamic of going to a new school, Mm -hmm. but then there's also the dynamic of going to a new ward. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what comes to mind when you compare those two experiences? Oh, that's great. Uh, One thing... I am really grateful for the church for this reason that I feel like 
I was always able to find at least some sense of belonging because I knew that the church would be there and I would have friends in young women's or primary that I could, that I, I knew it, at least we shared a similar experience of like reading the book of Mormon and we at least have some common, common things in our lives. And that was a really a great comfort to me a lot of times to have those kind of instant friends. Yeah. And there's almost like just that the natural structure of it, right? That mm-hmm. you're, you're going to go to this building once a week and there's other kids your age and uh, whether you like it or not, mm-hmm. you're going to interact with them. And naturally after a month or six weeks, you're like, Hey, you know, these two people are kind of cool and they're my friends now. Right. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I, is it uh, just as, easy in a school or it's harder in school. I think, I mean, it is true that like you do, you go to school every day, you have the same classes. And so there's that similar where you're just in the same place often, but I feel like in school there's more people and there's also more, there's just more, more things to do, more different groups and cliques to interact with or try to figure out where your place is. So it's, I think it's a little harder in school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a little more, uh, dynamics happening, right? You can either be in the, the with the drama kids or the jocks or whatever it is. Right. <laughs> so, so educate us a little bit here. You're, you're standing in front of a room full of, of bishops, relief society presidents, young women's presidents, whatever it be. And you know, they're thinking, Emma, like we are desperate to, creating belonging and friendship in our, in our units. Like what, where do we start with that? Hmm. Where to start? One thing that comes to mind is, um, starting with people's strengths and looking for people's strengths Hmm. and like looking at the individuals where you're at and the individuals in your ward and giving them opportunities to, feel good and to feel like they have something to contribute. Mm. That was something really big that I learned. I mentioned it a little bit in the book. And then also just as a relief society president is like, none of us are perfect, but we all have a little something that we could contribute. And when you let people contribute and you let people share what they love or share what they're good at, then they can really thrive and they can like you get out of it what you put into it. And so if you let people feel like they are important, then yeah. you will feel like they belong. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all need that sense of in whatever community we find ourselves that I am needed here. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe I don't use all my gifts or talents, but I do use some. And it seems like people appreciate that I'm here, that I exist, that I'm contributing. Right. Yeah. So any, any stories come to mind as far as what that, that looked like or. Whether in church or at school or whatever. Yeah. One thing that is coming to mind is actually, it's related to to church. I share, I share this story in the book, but there for summer, we lived in China for a long time growing up. And every summer we would come back to Ohio where my grandparents lived. And in that ward there, there was this girl who was my age. Her name was Mary. And she was just so, so good at coming to find me and making me feel like, Oh yes, you're here. Finally. Like, this is so great. I'm so glad that, that you're here and you can come to young women's with me and you can 
have a good time with me and just making me feel like I was wanted and I was needed there. And I was like, wow, okay. So then whenever I would go back to that ward, I was like, oh, I, I belong here. Mary's here to look out for me. Yeah. 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 And then that's so simple, right? Just recognizing the person and approaching them. And, and, uh, you know, obviously there's a sort of a callback to a former relationship. Um, makes me think of like right now I'm in a, an award. We're in a very growing area, lots of building happening around us. And, uh, and so every week there's sort of that new family, right? And part of me thinks maybe they've been here longer than I have. I just haven't noticed them. Uh, but I still just go up and say, Hey, you know, what's your name? I'm Kurt. Like mm-hmm. how long you been here? And, and the introvert inside me is screaming because they, I just want to, I just want to go home and take a nap really. <laughs> but, um, but just that little thing, right. And we don't have to have a long like conversation, but like, Hey, you know, person now. So anyways, see you in Elders Quorum, you know, and that's it. it yeah. Be that simple. Yeah. That's actually something that I mentioned in the, the, in my book is names and how powerful mm. and important and simple names are. And I feel like this is something that I've learned as a leader is like, if you can't keep everything in control, you can start to learn people's names. And that makes a big difference, both for like you as a person, like as a leader, feeling like you know what's happening just by knowing people's names. And then also like at least members of the ward also feel loved when you use their name. And like, it's, it's so, so simple, but it is so true that just knowing someone's name and using their name makes a huge difference. Yeah. Isn't that so true? We, we sort of beat ourselves up sometimes saying, I need to do more. I don't know what to do. And there's so many people like, well, just start learning names. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, all right, Emma, so what are your secrets? What, I mean, people are going to just say, oh, well, Emma, I'm not good with names. So how, how do you become good with names? That's so, I don't know. I'm still trying. <laughs> <laughs> One of the members of the bishopric in the ward that I'm in right now, uh, he taught this trick, so I can't take credit for it, but I'll give credit to him. Okay. Um, he says that after he meets someone new, he has a note on his phone where he'll go in and write down their name and write down one thing about them that he can kind of connect to that person. Love it. And he says that that has totally helped him because then at least you're, you're just reinforcing like, okay, I just learned this person's name and I learned one thing about them. So that kind of makes them more than just a name gives them a little bit of something. And then that helps remember. Then the other thing, my other tip that this is because I'm not great at names is don't be afraid to ask again. Like people are never going to be sad that you want to know their name. Yeah. So like, don't be afraid of like, I'm so like, just being like, I'm so sorry. Like, I can't remember your name. I should know it. That's my bad. Tell me one more time so that I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I often joke, uh, like, Hey, what's your name again? I'm just going to ask you 10 more times, but tell me for the third time. What <laughs> yeah, that is, right? Yeah. Like, just make it fun and light. Out of 10. Like it's my, it's my memory, but I, I that's right. <laughs> yeah. And then never end, underestimate the power of the, the, uh, what is it? The, the uh, tools app, right? Where yeah. you, you got pictures and names and, <laughs> and you can scroll through there until you find the person. And, mm-hmm. and, and I love the setting in there where I think you can turn it like individuals rather than families. And then it shows their picture on the left side. So you can like just scroll and then be like, Oh, there's the guy. I remember his name and it was, it was yeah. test yourself. Right. Um, <laughs> And I'll, I'll also plug in here that uh, we'll link to it in the show notes, but this was ages ago, maybe in our first hundred episodes, I interviewed a guy about tricks, mental tricks you can do to remember names. And ah. I still use some of those, those uh, tricks today. So anyways, we'll link to that. But um, 
you know, I often go back to my time as an elders quorum president in a YSA ward where I met my wife. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of my time where I thought, man, this was the moment. This was ground zero of how awful I, I have ever been as a leader. I made all the mistakes, right? But the one thing I did right, and this was back, this was 2006. All right. I mean, this I mean, before your time, probably, but, um, that they, we didn't have, you know, these cool apps now, but we did have an online directory and I printed that out with every picture and name and I would quiz myself. And I had an elders quorum of a hundred plus elders and I knew every name and it was so empowering when somebody would walk up to me and be like, Oh, Hey Joseph, what's up? You'd be like, you, you know who I am. Like there was this sort of this moment of like, wow, like my leader knows me and that goes, it's just so valuable. It's, it's so simple, but so valuable. So, all right. We, we went down the wormhole of names. So, uh, <laughs> what, what, anything else that comes to mind as far as establishing friendship and belonging? Um, I mean, just in my book, there's a chapter that I call the little things are the big things. And I feel like mm. when you're trying to create a better sense of belonging amongst a group of people, the little things are the big things that something like learning names so small, but huge. Yeah. And like making sure that you have ministering assignments done and that, you know, people know what their ministering assignments are like that seems kind of small, but it's huge. And I, I don't know, just the, yeah. the little things are, are big and it just takes people doing small steps inviting someone to sit by you small, but it's huge. And I think that's all it takes is just lots and lots of little things. Yeah. And I even think that in my, and I think most brains are like this, but it's interesting that to observe how my brain works where I'll have a conversation with somebody, maybe I'll pick up their name, but I'll also pick up little details like where they work or their favorite football team or right. And then just sort of recalling that back, like, Hey, didn't you say you got season tickets to such and such or like, how's that going? Right. Yeah. And again, it's the little things, but to them, it's like, well, wow, this person really remembered our conversation. Right. And mm -hmm. we can take it to the next level of friendship uh, yeah. because of that. And I feel like that's also really helpful in ministering, just mm. like developing a skill of being a good listener and being able to find like little things like, oh, they mentioned one time that they have something coming up that they're nervous about remembering that and then reaching out to them again, being like, Oh, how did that go? And they'll just be like, what you remembered? That's yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get a lot of people in my ward who, you know, they know I produce a podcast. So they're asking, they always ask what's, what's coming up. Like who, who'd you interview? Anyone cool? And I'll say, well, Emma, I interviewed this, <laughs> this genius author named Emma. So, um, what about, uh, anything else? Like you mentioned diversity before we, we hit record here. What, what concepts do we need to understand as far as diversity goes? Mm. Diversity, I feel like is underappreciated. I think even if you're in a ward where people seem to have a generally similar lifestyle, like here at BYU, it's easy to just look at the whole ward and be like, oh, they're all BYU students. So they're all the same, but people are, are different. And that was something I learned while I was growing up, going to a bunch of different places because I would be in different places with people who looked and acted and like, were very obviously different from me, but it helped me to realize that like, we're all different and learning to appreciate those differences and cherish those differences and find them and use them is, can be so, so powerful. I think 
just differences and diversity are, are huge and yeah. really, really important. And so is that just a matter of like highlighting those and um, bringing to the forefront or, you know, what, what does that look like in practice? Good question. Um, I don't know. I think it relates back to what we were talking about just a minute ago about like remembering things about people or appreciating, making people feel appreciated. And then also just kind of affects how, how we view things. Like I think if you are looking for the, the beautiful little different things that other people have, I think it makes our own experiences better and it helps us to learn from other people better. If we're looking for maybe why they think the way they do or what they have to contribute that we can learn from or benefit from. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, what, what else? Any major principle we haven't covered or did we, I mean, people got to check out the book if they want the whole enchilada, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But any other point or principle that you'd want to emphasize to a leadership audience before we wrap up? I mean, one that, one that's jumping out is in my book, I have a chapter called everyone's a little selfish. Hmm. And I feel like as a, a leader in the church, sometimes, at least for me, um, it's really easy to get in my own head about like, Oh, I need to be doing everything right. And I need to be, I need to know everybody and I need to have everything done on time and to be perfect. And, um, I think a lot of that is the natural man speaking and looking inside and worrying about me. Mm -hmm. And if we will like take a step back from that and instead turn outwards, look to other people, yeah. it makes our job a lot easier because that's yeah. how that's how christ was he he looked outside of himself all the time and yeah he's a perfect leader of course <laughs> of course it takes me back to uh, you know i have a marketing background that's what my degree is in and i've done a lot of sales and, and sales training and whatnot it takes me back to everybody's favorite radio station which is w i i f m what's in it for me <laughs> and and, and like you said, it's not like everybody's these raging narcissists out there, but naturally we self-protect, we think mm -hmm. of ourselves. And if you approach every situation like that, and, and it's easy to sort of get into the, you know, in church leadership, sort of get to the cadence of like, no, this is, I've got the authority here. Like, mm -hmm this is what the Lord wants to done and get in line. And that's what we're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but, um, to really think like, why, why does this person want to show up? Why do they want to engage in relief society? Why, mm -hmm. you know, what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of leads you on a path of recognizing, yeah, everybody's a little selfish, but that's okay. Cause yeah. I am too. Yeah. And so how can we understand that and leverage that in order to create belonging and connection in mm -hmm. this community? Yeah, absolutely. What's in it for them. I love that. That's question. right. That's right. Uh, all right, Emma, we, we, we did it. So where, where can people pick up the book now that you're this, uh, and, and when's the next book coming out? So. <laughs> that, a lot of people ask that question to me too. I'm like, hang on, <laughs> read this one first. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> the, it, the easiest place is just on Amazon. And if cool. you look up my name and the title of the book, it'll just, it'll show up. Nice. Well, we'll definitely link to it. And, uh, and it's, looks like pretty, pretty quick read here too. I mean, you didn't, you didn't create a textbook here or anything. No, no textbook. Nice. So people could grab it and, and read through it, especially those, man, what a, 
a great resource if you are in a transient area, whether it's a YSA ward or just yeah. like a, I'm thinking like the military base wards where Absolutely. every you know they just have people coming and going and just being aware of the new kid experience and you'll yes. you'll be better prepared to lead that way. So really yeah. cool. All right, and the last question I have for you is: as you reflect on your time as a Relief Society president, mm-hmm. how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Love that question. For me, I think the biggest thing is trust. I think being a leader, I've realized that God really takes the most imperfect people, trusts us with our little area, and he he trusts us, and we need to trust him in return. And I think Christ is the best leader. He's also the best follower. So as I, as I lead, I try to learn from him in trying to follow him and trying to follow, um, just what he would want me to do. And I can trust that even though I am imperfect and I am just trying my best, he's going to make sure that everything works out and that my, my small efforts are help. And that concludes this How I Lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email, on social media, in a text, wherever it makes the most sense, and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And uh, that's that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, uh, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org contact. Maybe send this in individual an email letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them. And... Uh, See if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, go to leadingsaints.org slash 14 to access our full Young Saints virtual library. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away, and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.